Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Welcome to this glorious mess, little kids. Mamma Mia's podcast for parents who have kids under the age of five. By now, you should know I'm Lee Campbell. I have the one child, the one child. <laughs> the one and only. The one, the one child only. in Australia, Alexander, who is almost 16 months. And I'm also the executive editor of Mamma Mia. My friend Tegan, who are you and who do you I have? I have all the rest of the children in Australia. <laughs> you pretty much do. <laughs> three under three. And I am the co-founder of Bump Day Spa. How far off three are the twins? January. Oh, so okay. yeah. getting there. Well, all of them have their birthdays four oh, days apart. Nice. So, yeah, oh the 3rd and the 7th of January is like... Goodness. I just do one in the middle. Smack bang. The 5th of January, it's all your birthdays today. <laughs> Done. Just let them think that forever. <laughs> forever and a day. Okay, don't forget, before we get started, TGM Big Kids was here before Little Kids, hosted by Holly Wainwright and Andrew Datto, drops on Fridays. Excellent show. Okay, today we're talking about separation anxiety. Um, many kids experience it when they start daycare or if they haven't spent much time with other people or now having spent so much time in ISO. So we're going to deal with if that's happening with your little ones and how to cope with it. And of course, later on, WTF of the week. I don't know if we can get any lower than Tegan's mound, so we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Aim hey, I have had many people contact me on Instagram Say about the mound. Yeah. Oh, about my mound? They've contacted well, you the, about my mound? The general mound. Guys, if you want to talk about my mound, come directly to me, <laughs> okay? No, a lot of women appreciated us talking about that. Yeah, well, someone came to me and said, you think your mound is big? You should see mine. It will poke you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a whole community of big-mounted women out there, and I appreciate you. Shout out. Making me feel less eyes. <laughs> but my dad did call me because he did listen. He's like, I can't believe you're telling everyone about your big mound. <laughs> Hi, Tegan's dad. Yeah. So separation anxiety is something that a lot of little people go through. As I've said, Alexander's almost 16 months and we have actually been really lucky up until this stage. He hasn't been a clingy baby. He'll go to anyone, although I feel like just overnight in the last few weeks, he's kind of like, okay, he knows who mum and dad is. He knows what keys are. He knows what the front door is. He's very like, okay, daddy's going somewhere now. Right. He's picking up on like yeah, the routine and the signs. Definitely you knows putting shoes on means usually going outside. And even so for just taking the rubbish out, he'll be like, ah, ah, ah. and I'm going? trying to say, just going to the rubbish bin. I'll be back soon, Baba. But still, I have to say, we don't have much experience yet because he's been so great. Like even on Saturday, we went out for a quick lunch so the babysitter was there for two hours and she came over while he was napping so he's gone to bed mum or dad's put him to bed and he's woken up with a different <laughs> like, person who are you yeah but he knows her because she's the, the one we use all the time but we're very lucky in that we can do stuff like that and he didn't wake up and freak out yeah. so I'm wondering if it's coming we'll speak to an expert soon how's your separation anxiety yeah, been look I think we're the same we've been pretty lucky having the twins as I mentioned last week in my nanny rant you know I had to continue running a business through having three kids so 
straight away, basically, my kids have had been with sitters or my parents or Jason's mom or, you know, a nanny. Someone on the street. (laughs) Yeah, just whoever will take them really. (laughs) So that I could go to work or tend to things at work. But I've been pretty lucky in the sense that they're always used to having someone around. And it, it is, like you said, always someone that they know and that they're familiar with. So I certainly feel for those parents who have children with separation anxiety because you know, a lot of it is out of your hands as a parent and I don't think it's anything that you've done wrong as a parent. Absolutely It's just not. the personality of the child. Well, that's what I wondered. I wondered if it's nature or nurture and if, you know, COVID is going to impact these kids that have probably only been with their immediate family, these little yeah, kids. Yeah, so absolutely. it would be really interesting to find out. But, yeah, I just hope it's not coming. I hope I've bypassed <laughs> it some magical way. But let's talk more about it. Davina Donovan is a registered psychologist and has a career spanning over 16 years working with children, adolescents and families. She uses a combination of acceptance and commitment therapy. I've heard of none of those. Uh, (laughs) Mindfulness and yoga practices. And Davina's aim is to support a person and their family holistically. So let's chat to Davina about separation anxiety. Davina, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. What stage or age does this generally kick in for our little ones? Yeah, look, it really depends on the child and the family situation. But so most of the research in this area indicates that it can happen sort of at four to five months of age, but generally more likely around that nine months age. And there's a reason for this. Kids develop something called object permeance. They start to realize that when something leaves, they worry that it won't ever come back. And that sort of starts to kick in around that nine month age. That's so interesting. I didn't know there was a real name for it. So interesting. Yeah, there's a name for it. (laughs) (laughs) And what's going through their minds? We we don't know. But I suppose the best guess is if – I like to think of it as a little baby, like in a perfect world, gets born and, you know, first thing they get put onto mum's chest again in a perfect world and they see mum for the first time and then for, you know, the rest of their existence as a little baby, they're just seeing their mum's face most of the time as the primary caregiver and then all of a sudden you know things like daycare or childcare or something else kicks in and then all of a sudden that thing that they've looked at every waking moment of their life is now not there so you know the best guess is that they're, they're scared they're worried but obviously at that age they don't have the cognitive or the capacity to understand that they're worried and little babies and little kids tend to express that in you know crying and clinging behaviour. So when is it considered separation anxiety? Obviously, you know, if you've got babies or toddlers, most of them won't love a daycare drop-off or when you're mm-hmm. passing them over to someone else. When is it considered an issue that might need some looking at? Yeah, that's actually a great question. The term separation anxiety, if we're look, looking at an actual diagnosis of an anxiety disorder, the behaviour and the, the emotional distress needs to be something that's actually starting to really impact the child's life. You know, they actually can't stay at daycare because they're too distressed or the parents you know, can never leave them alone without them becoming you know, uncontrollably distressed. It's actually a pretty normal part of development to have a level of anxiety when being separated from someone that they love and care about. I know as adults, I feel anxiety and sadness sometimes when I have to you know, be away from people I love. So for a little person, the difference between, you know, a separation anxiety that's becoming a disorder versus just a normal part of development. But I suppose the things that parents need to look out for is when it gets to the point where the child can't be settled. So they're dropping their child off at daycare, for example, 
and you know it's hours later and this child is still distressed or you know typically what happens when a parent drops the child off is once the parent leaves the daycare worker can pretty easily calm the child down after a period of time but if they're having trouble getting that child calm or the you know child just won't get out of the car and it's becoming a really painful experience for the parent that's when I would suggest getting a little bit of extra support. I think it's so comforting to hear that varying degrees of it are normal and like you say there is situations where you might need help but that every little kid's going to go through possibly some form of it. I wanted to ask with daycare drop-off or grandparent drop-off or, or somewhere what's the best approach? Do we sneak do we sneak away? Because I didn't know when I, my son started daycare, should I sneak away? Should I say, bye, buddy, mummy's going now? Is less more. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there a better approach or is it, I guess, based on the child? It really is going to be dependent on the child and the daycare centre and the support and all that kind of stuff. But there's a couple of really good tips that you can use is, in again, this is perfect world scenario, before even starting the daycare, it would be nice for a parent to go in with the child, have a bit of a look around together so that the child associates this daycare as a safe place. Like mummy or daddy has, you know, shown me or, or grandparent has shown me that this is a safe place so that when that person does leave, it's not like they're just you're just dropping this child off to a random place that they've never been to before. They've been there with you and they feel a bit safer. It's always nice to give the child something that might be a, a sense of comfort, like a special blanket or a teddy or something that they can hold on to when they're at daycare to sort of remind them that this is a temporary place that I'm okay and I'm going to be okay. Sometimes distraction works really well. Sometimes the drop, drop them off, you know, look at that shiny, beautiful thing over there and then you run away. That can work really well sometimes. There's a place for distraction for sure. And the reason distraction works well is because ultimately little people, yes, it is a level of anxiety, but it is this very short, temporary, and they just need the band-aid ripped off for them to realise, oh, this is okay, it's not so bad. For those kids, though, that are perhaps struggling a little bit more, I love the idea of emotion coaching at any age. There's never too early to start teaching kids how to recognise an emotion and how to self-manage an emotion. So I often teach parents something like, darling, it's okay, you're just feeling a little bit scared, that's okay, you're going to be okay. Take some big, deep breaths. Okay, now mummy's going to go and then you start to walk away. So you do a little bit of emotion coaching while you're walking away. Because I think a mistake a lot of parents make is to hang around for a bit too long, which actually makes the problem worse. That's so good to hear because I've been trying, my son's nearly 16 months and even if my husband's just taking the garbage out, he'll lose it. And I've been saying to yeah. him, daddy's just going to the garbage. He'll be back in a minute. Like, And then I'm thinking, am I explaining something he just totally doesn't get? But I guess eventually it will click. he'll understand yeah. that going, you know, hear the word rubbish bin or whatever. So it's good to know that I'm <laughs> not just speaking into thin air. Daddy's going to the pub now. <laughs> yeah, he'll be back in three days. He's never coming back. <laughs> You're explaining anxiety to a T. So if you think from an adult perspective, anxiety is this thing where we make up stories. It's I often say to my clients that anxiety is just a narrative. It's a story that's trying to trying to convince you of something bad that's going to happen. Mm. So by you saying that to your 16-month-old, you're just reassuring him that there is no story. It's not that dad's disappeared and he's, he's never coming back. Actually, you're telling him the facts. And that's something that kids need to hear more often is the actual the fact and not this story that maybe you know the media or the news might create if they're looking at a news story or that 
kids in your playground might create, you're actually giving him the fact dad's gone to get the rubbish, he'll be back. It can start as early as nine months. So should we start those practices then, even though we feel like they're a little blob, they're a little baby? Is that when we should start that kind of language? I would say absolutely. It's interesting that the, the first two years of life is where the absolute most brain development happens. It is, it's almost hard to comprehend just how much is going on inside a little person's brain in that particular in those first two years. We're learning everything. We're learning to walk, to speak. We're learning what love is. We're learning what food is. There's so much learning happening. So it's hard to know that what the research is to, to back up this because it's, it's hard to research, of course, because people are so little. But any kind of emotion coaching, anything that's a skill that you can start to implement when the brain is permeable, when it's, it's like, refer to it a bit like Play-Doh, it's mold, you can mold a brain, in the, particularly in the really early ages of life. Any positive influences you can have in that stage are very likely going to result in you know, positive influences in the future. And as you said, by, by talking to them about what's actually happening to avoid them creating a narrative, I've noticed with my nearly three-year-old twins, I used to just sneak off, but now I'm like, mummy's going to work. And once you've kind of told them what to expect, then it's almost like they get to become a part of the story. So when you get home in the afternoon, oh, mummy, did you go to work? So involving them in the day and I suppose the process of what they might get anxious about is that a good trick absolutely that's, I was just you didn't see my face then but I was like wow am I a psychologist <laughs> am I that smart you're a good mom oh, thank god <laughs> yeah absolutely this is the thing again I often say to, to parents when I work with them think about what you what would make you feel better if you look at COVID times COVID caused such anxiety in people because we just didn't know what was going to happen the unknown so if you can bring a level of certainty or a level of or take some of the unknown away you're going to decrease the anxiety mommy's going to work and she will be back you know it's not that she's mum's leaving see you and they have to then create stories of where she's gone yeah she'll be back and they start to learn that this is trust as well you're allowing trust to be developed in the relationship with your children you're you're telling them you're coming back and you come back. What's going to happen, you think, with these kids that perhaps particularly in Victoria have maybe spent six months of their 12 months or whatever it may be in isolation with their parents? Do you think that you'll see an increase in separation anxiety and these kind of things? The short of it, in my opinion, yes. Unfortunately, being socially isolated, this isn't just physical distancing, this is social isolation. It's actually a skill to socialise with people and to go out and these are skills and for six months we've not really practiced that skill and like anything that if you don't use it you lose it type of thing the good news though is that you can redevelop it and relearn it so I think and what is the discussion I suppose in the the psychology world with colleagues is it will be a little bit challenging coming out of isolation and relearning some of these skills and we'll probably see a, a spike in anxiety particularly in children but doesn't mean that's going to stay and it's going to you know, cause lifelong problems. I think if parents are prepared for that and know that that first day or first week or month back at school or daycare may be a little bit challenging, but to use some of these skills and techniques to be able to make it as safe and comfortable as possible, we should see a reintegration kind of back into air quote normal life relatively smoothly. Oh, that's good to hear. Davina, it has been so fantastic to chat to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, gosh, thanks for asking me. I've had a blast. Thanks so much. Thanks, Davina. What the? What the? What the? What the? Parenting? Oof. 
WTF of the week. How about you go first, my friend? Oh, so Banjo has started swimming lessons. Anyone that follows my Instagram will know that I do these. In, you love a in, swimming lesson. I love a swimming lesson. So the twins did this eight-week swim survival course. So it's every day for 10 minutes, five days a week for eight weeks. That is a full-time job. Yeah, it's next level. But by the end of it, they can float on their – it's but, the intense one and some people don't agree with it, but it's worked for me. And having three toddlers, I know my kids are safe and have you know yeah, a degree idea. of water safety. Anyway, so I thought for ages, Banjo is going to be the worst. He's going to hate it. He will hate it. He cried for the first three days and now he screams when I try to get him out of the pool. So he's in love with his swimming teacher. (laughs) He loves being dunked in the water. Like all the things that all the kids are meant to hate about the swimming lesson, he absolutely loves. So thank God, because there's another like seven weeks to go. I was going to say, how far in are you? Yeah. uh, So do you take him every morning? Yeah, every single morning. At what time? 8.30 8.30 his lesson is. So oh, I leave the house by 8 every my morning. my Lord. Yep. That is commitment. I mean, I get it. It's safety. Great. But wow. Yeah, can't I you know. Just, like, I actually like it. I think feel like it makes me get up and start the yeah, day. Yeah, that's true. If you don't have something on in the morning, they're yep. long. Exactly. Oh, How about banjo. you? What's yours? I'm going to cry. Alexander th- today has his first school photos. Oh my gosh. Remember how like show mum I was? Yep. I just got mine back and I'm like, oh. mum, I'm spending $4,000 on the, the 78 package. Mum. <laughs> I was like, you've got heaps of photos of your kids. I'm like, no, but these are the school photos. Honestly, I laid out his little outfit and he wore his special clothes. Obviously, they're not doing any craft today so that they don't get dirty. And then his little... It's a day. It's a it's real momentous day. day. And his little friend's mum texted and she's in a little dress. And oh, oh my God, I just cried. I love it. It's like, what is your kid wearing? Like yes. now it's not about, what are you wearing to lunch? And they got What's a little note kid? saying, okay, come in your outfit and come groomed. Like, And so Alexander's got his hair. I mean, he's always got hair gel in. But like, <laughs> I just looked at him and I was like, where's my little newborn? Oh my gosh. And it's actually funny because, you know, when we try and take photos of our kids, they're like, oh, mom, like put the phone away or not looking. When I got my kids' buns back, I'm like, you're all looking at the camera. You're all smiling. It amazes me how in general at daycare they get them to do what they're supposed to do. Like we get videos and yesterday he was eating his beef stew with a bowl and a spoon. (laughs) A, he doesn't eat beef. He does not use a spoon at home. He throws bowls at the wall. But he's just sitting at the table with the other babies. I know, right? What? He's punking me. Where did you put my child? Yeah, totally. They have us full. (laughs) Guys, we'd love to hear your WTF moments of the week. Please call the pod phone if you'd like to share on 028999386. Or as always, you can jump into the Facebook group. Or a new fun thing we're doing, record a voice memo on your phone and email it to tgm at mamamia.com.au. And before we go, I want to plug something great that I've done. (laughs) Tegan, I don't know if you know. Sit down, be humble. (laughs) But we have a really great podcast here at Mamma Mia called Get Me Pregnant. It's all about assisted fertility. Tegan and I have both been through IVF, so we know what it's all about. But if you're thinking about assisted fertility, your friend's going through it, your sister's going through it, you just want to know what's involved. It's a really great capsule collection to reveal all. Yeah, so it's, it's called awesome. Get Me Pregnant. This Glorious Mess Little Kids is brought to you by Mamma Mia and this episode was produced by Paria Tehesedet. See you. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.